Good morning to you. God bless you. It's good to see you. So, uh, of course, I'm just blessed to get to bring the word today. If you don't know who I am, I'm Drew. I'm the life resource pastor here in Illuminate Church. But uh, God has just filled my heart with gratitude to get to be a part of what he is doing here within this church family. And uh, we are blessed with wonderful leaders in Pastor Tim and Pastor Christine and, and Pastor Kim and our elders. And, and I, I'm being honest, uh, I am just blessed to get to follow people that follow Jesus. And, and I love getting to be a part of, of what the Lord is powerfully doing here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I needed to share that before I got going here. But we're in the, the series Momentum, and we're learning about how to kick Satan's butt. And some people had that awkward thing where, like, he's a pastor. Is he supposed to say butt from the stage? There's kids in the room. Parents, I'm sorry. Uh, please bear with me. I love you. But uh, yeah, no, we're, we're in this series called Momentum, The Power of Stacking Wins. And Pastor Tim is inviting us into this culture of victory. Jesus' victory, he, he's, he's this champion, right? He is the champion of champions. And he makes champions. He calls you more than conquerors. And we're learning how to step into his victory, how to win. And when you win, winning produces more winning. And uh, this is what we're learning about. But I, I remember growing up, I, I grew up in a family uh, that uh, my, my dad was a wrestling coach, great wrestling coach. And he uh, just produce so many champions as, as a coach. Can I brag on my dad a little bit? Is that okay? Okay, okay. So he produced so many champions as a wrestling coach uh, to where the, I, I, I started to believe what he was saying, you know? Okay, I, I, I get what you're saying now. And he would say stuff like, champions make champions. And, and what he meant was, and I saw him do it, that when you get in an environment where champions are made, there's something that happens where you rise, right? Because you, you got to step up to that level. And, and when you get in an environment and get to train with champions, and, and when you get this mentality of this is how the champion thinks, you start stepping into that and you say, okay, you know what? Maybe I can be a champion. And, and this is how champions are made. And I believe this is what Pastor Tim is inviting us into. This, this environment where Jesus is our champion. He is undefeated, never been beaten, and he's teaching us how to be more than conquerors. And we're taking the next step in this champion-making environment with the Lord, and we're learning about the Holy Spirit today. I've entitled this message, Holy Spirit, Come. If you would, look up to heaven and ask, Holy Spirit, Come. Holy Spirit, come. And then if you would, turn to your neighbor and prophesy over him. Say, the Lord is moving in your life. Praise God, it's true. This is good. 
to prophesy the good of what God is doing in each other. So we're going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Would you pray with me? Holy God, I bless your name. God, it's you that deserves the glory above all. It is not by man's power or might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And God, today, I pray that people wouldn't remember anything that happened on the platform, but they would remember it was you that did it. They would remember that you move our hearts past the places we think we can go into something that is more beautiful. That you, you, you come and you arrest your people with your love and with your affection and with your power. And I pray this into this space this morning, the presence of the Lord. I pray that you would bless us with hungry hearts. I believe there's hungry hearts. There's thirsty hearts this morning. And Lord, that you would meet each one of them with your presence because we need you. We don't need me. So Lord, I pray that you would even speak through me. Lord, that you would have your way in this place. We surrender this time to you, asking you to do far more than we could ask because this is what you do. This is who you are. We love you. We bless you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And then if you would, right there at your seat, if you would ask the Lord if he would speak to you this morning. And then if you would grab the hand of someone around you and pray that the Lord would speak to them. And then last, if you would pray for me, that the Lord might speak through me. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We're stepping into all you're doing this morning. Thank you, Lord. You're doing it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this morning, the Lord told me, before you really dive into the main text, which is Acts 2, 1 through 4, if you want to start turning there, he said, before you dive into that, I want to stir a little bit in the spirit of, of what I want to do in my people. And so I'm going to read just a little bit from John 7, if I can find it, hey, ooh. John 7, 37 through 39. And Jesus is speaking and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. And so Jesus makes this simple statement. If you're thirsty, come to me and I'm going to give you living water. Come and drink and I will, I will uh, meet your thirst. I will meet you where you, you are at. And he will. He does every time. Come with open arms. And yet he goes further and he says, 
Those who believe in me will be like rivers of living water are flooding through you. And in the, in the original language, it paints this picture of torrential, multiple torrential, powerful rivers of water flowing. These are rivers of life. And he says, this is what the Holy Spirit does in every person who believes in me. And I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge myself. Is this what we're living? Is this what we're experiencing in the Lord? Are rivers of living water flowing through our lives? And I don't ask us to shame us. I ask us because it's available. Because this is what God is calling us into. And it's something to get excited about. It's wonderful. And we can step into his living water today. Much like this passage in Ephesians 3, uh, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and he's telling us what happens when the spirit of power comes on us. And he says, according to the glory of God, that you may be strengthened with power in your inner being through the spirit. And then he says, this happens according to faith in Jesus. And it's, it's something about what happens is the power of the Spirit comes upon us that makes us aware, and he starts going into this. This is what happens. He says, you, you start becoming aware of the height and the breadth and the length and the depth and all these wonderful measurements of the love of Christ that surpasses understanding. And then he says, the fullness of God comes upon you. Now, I don't know about you, but I want some more of that. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? Huh? Okay. So, my challenge is, is this what we're walking in in our lives with Christ? Is this the relationship? Is this the power? Is this the intimacy, the love, the life-giving flow that is happening in our life? Because if it's not, he wants to meet us here. He wants to do it. And he's inviting us in today. And so we come to Acts 2, 1 through 4. If you would, let's read. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What I believe the Lord wants us to hear right here at the onset. We're going to come back to this passage later. But right here at the onset, I believe he wants us to hear that he's still doing this today. He's still doing this today. It's happening. I, 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 I uh, follow movements of what he's doing in the world, and I'm telling you, this is happening. He's still doing this in his people. And I think sometimes in the modern church, especially in Western culture, we forget that he's doing this, that he wants to do it, that he wants to move in his people. He wants to come in power because he loves his people, and he wants his people to be empowered to go out and to be his witnesses in this world. 
And so I believe in order for us to really step into Acts 2 this morning and to receive what the Lord wants us to receive this morning, we got to step into Jesus's life and ministry. So we're going to go back to the beginning when he started out. And this first passage, Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist is prophesying about Jesus, right? He, he's prophesying about his coming. And he says this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And so we know that the plan wasn't just to send Jesus, right? It wasn't just now, if it was just this, it would be wonderful for it would be our salvation. That Jesus would come and pay the price for our sins. And, and his blood would pour out so that you and I would have our sins washed away. And then he rose three days later so that you and I would get to have life in him. But that wasn't the entirety of the plan. The plan was after Jesus came, he bled, he died, he rose from the dead, that the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon his people in power. And the Spirit of the Lord would come and move. And fly, flowing waters of living, living water would flow through his people. And we would become so powerfully immersed in the Spirit that that. that the love of Christ that surpasses understanding, we, we would just be overwhelmed by it. And we would move out as Christ moved out in ministry. And so we see, we, we see in Jesus' ministry, his example. Uh, it says in Luke 4.1 that he, he got, well, he got baptized by the uh, by John the Baptist, and as he's getting baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and the Father says, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But as he gets, after his baptism, it says, and this is Luke 4, 1, it says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, any who are familiar with this, you know, he went into the wilderness, and he Kick Satan's rear. Satan tried to tempt him, and he's like, he, he's filled with the Spirit. He's being led by the Spirit, and he overcomes, just as the Lord gives us the empowerment of the Spirit to overcome when Satan comes knocking. But verse 14, he's just finished kicking Satan's bootay, and verse 14 comes along, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So he steps into his ministry in the power of the Spirit. My question that I want to challenge us with is, why did he need the power of the Spirit if he's a son of God? I'm leading us somewhere, but this is important for us to consider now, in another passage, in John 5, 19, Jesus says this. He says, the Son, speaking of himself, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. 
And so there was this aspect in which Jesus in his ministry, fully God, he is fully God come to pay for the sins of the world. He was the only one who could. And yet, he's fully man as well. And he came, though, and we see from these two passages that he doesn't, he chooses not to live from his divinity. He chooses not to live from his God power, right? Because otherwise, he wouldn't have needed the Father and the Spirit. He's united with them, but he wouldn't need to be led and empowered by them. So he's like, I'm going to come and give my people an example of how to live, how they are empowered to live. Because if he would have lived from his divinity, we would still worship him. We would glorify him for he's worthy of our praise. He is our savior. And yet we wouldn't be able to replicate what he does. But he came and he lived in his example, connected in intimacy to the father. He's watching everything he does. He's God focused in his heart and in his life. He's filled with the spirit, empowered with the spirit, led by the spirit. And this is the power in his ministry. And this is what he empowers us with. So you see Jesus doing all these wonderful things in his ministry as he's speaking the kingdom, as he's preaching the gospel, his words produce life. He asked his disciples once whether they were still going to follow him. And Peter's like, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. And what Peter's saying is he's saying, when you speak, there's something that happens in our hearts. And we're filled with life. We're filled with heaven. And we want to follow you. We don't understand totally what you're saying, but we want to follow you. And this is by the Spirit. That as Jesus speaks, the Spirit is going out and, and flowing through him. But not just this. It wasn't just when he spoke. He, he would go out and he would heal, lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. And he would welcome and receive the outcast. And people the world would say, don't love them. Don't love the tax collector. Don't love the leper. They, we need to separate from them. And Jesus is like, no, come on in. Because I love people like you. The Father loves people like you. The Father loves all people. And so he welcomes them in power and in love. And not just that, he raises the dead and, and he casts out demons. And freely, this fountain of living water is flowing through his life. And then we come to hear what Jesus commissions his disciples to do. And he says in Matthew 10, 7 and 8, he's commissioning his disciples. His disciples have seen him minister for two years, right? They've been watching. They've been seeing what he's doing. They're like, okay, okay, this is awesome. When, when's he going to like come and slay the enemies? He keeps healing people. What's happening? But he gives them a commissioning. And he says this in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Not talking about himself. He's talking about what he wants his disciples to do. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received. He's talking about the kingdom. Freely you've received the kingdom. Freely give. 
And so we see that Jesus wasn't calling his disciples into a lesser ministry, right? He's calling them into the same ministry, the same spirit, the same power. That doesn't make them God, doesn't make us God to be called into it. There's only one Jesus, the Son of God, his Father and the Holy Spirit, three in one, this is God. But it does mean that we are empowered to live in the same empowerment by the Spirit as Jesus. And I just want to encourage us today. I, I believe that the Lord is doing something in, 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 our, in, in this church, but in hungry hearts today. Hearts that are coming thirsty for him. And, 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 and I believe that there's, a, 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 help me, Lord. There's many who are seeking to give it all to him, that are seeking to press into all that he would do in and through our lives. But it's like we've, we've, we've stepped into a river and we're trying to swim upstream. We're swimming against this current and we're struggling. It's like we're running against this really strong wind and we're battling, we're embattled in our hearts. And I believe that this is a part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. That as he calls us into the same ministry and power that Jesus has, there's something that the Lord does as he comes upon us where we stop having to swim upstream and the, 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 the stream of the river changes and moves with the Spirit. And the wind uh, is no longer in front of us. It's at our back and we're being pushed into all that he would empower us to do. And I believe there's a number of people who've said, God's called me to this or that, and praise God, that's wonderful. But I believe that God wants to fill us with the power, his kingdom, life, water, flow in our lives that will allow us to do that ministry in power. Okay, so he commissions his disciples to do this. Now, if any of us are kind of wondering, well, what does it have to do with us, though? I mean, he told his disciples that that's what he empowers them to do, but what about us? And in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, in, in, in verse 18, he talks about how all authority has been given to him. But verse 8, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, for I'm with you always to the end of the age. And what he's saying is he's saying, go make disciples. This is his commissioning to us. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe what I've taught you. And he's saying, my presence is with you. My authority is with you. So when he says, teach them to observe all that I've taught you, what he's saying is, I want you to teach your disciples what I did. Because that's what you'll be doing. And then I want them to teach their disciples what I did. Because that's 
what they should be doing. And I want them, and it just keeps going, like I could keep going. But as we make disciples, we're not called to, to be like the generation around us. We're called to be like Jesus, that he gives us this same ministry and power on our lives to go and declare the kingdom, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. Freely he's given us the kingdom, and freely he calls us to give it away. This is a part of our co-heirship in him, as he calls us co-heirs with Christ. But this is our commissioning. God doesn't just want to fill us with power. He wants us to be closer to his Father, right? He wants us to come into submission and union, and, and that's what the filling of the Spirit does. It brings us into greater connection, greater awareness, I should say, of the presence of the Lord in our lives. A greater uh, oneness, awareness of the oneness that he gives us with the Father and the Spirit. And he empowers us to do what he did. Now, the, please don't let me confuse us. Uh, all of us are maybe called to a little something different, right? I'm not saying everyone has to be speakers and, 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 and do all the things. And well, I'm, I'm not trying to pigeonhole us or put us in a box. Different people have different anointings, but there's a difference from someone who's walking uh, in their own power and someone who's filled with the Spirit of God in their lives to go and do what he's called us to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So Jesus finishes his ministry, ministers in power, and then he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross so that we would have life. He rises from the dead. Now there's three days in there between the cross and when he rose from the dead and his disciples are in fear and they're confused. Because like I said before, they thought he was coming as a conquering king. But Jesus shows us that he didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a servant king. And he puts this heart of servanthood in those who surrender to him and surrender to his spirit. But he, he comes as a servant king to give his life for the world. His disciples didn't understand. They didn't know what was going on. And they're questioning, is he even who we think he is? Is he the Messiah? And this is where Jesus walks into their room. They've locked themselves in a room because they're so scared. They're scared of who put Jesus to death. And we step into John 20, 19 through 23. It says, And the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now the disciples, uh, they're sitting, I just want us to picture this this morning. They're sitting in this room locked in fear. And maybe that describes some of us this morning. I don't know what you come in here with, what struggles, but Jesus is stepping in to that space in our life. He's stepping in, and he, the first thing he says as he steps in is he says, peace be with you. And as he said it, the spirit of peace, the Holy Spirit invades the room, and peace just washes the room. It's as if he's kicking fear out. Fear, you don't have any room in here. Peace has come in the room. And Lord, I ask the peace, your peace, your spirit would come in and fill this place. But Jesus, he walks into their, their space and he, he says, peace be with you. And then he starts conversing with them and hanging out and, and they enjoy each other because they love each other, right? They, they, they've spent years with Jesus and he's, he's proving that he's, he's him. And he's like, look, these this are my scars in my hands. Here's my side where they pierced me. And he's like, okay. They're like, okay, this is really you. Wow. And they're, they're hanging out and they're overjoyed that they're with him and peace is in the room, which a peaceful atmosphere in our hearts as the Lord rests upon us produces life that makes way for joy. And so they're, they're enjoying the presence of the Lord. And then Jesus says, it's like he's putting a period that fear can't get back into. He's, he's making this wall and saying, fear, you can't get back in here. Because he says it again. He's speaking this into our lives this morning. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he says this to his disciples. And he's saying it to us. He says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now, he doesn't say, uh, the Father sent me to do this, but I'm, I'm sending you to do something different. He doesn't say, hey, uh, I got to do this, but you're, you're going to do this. No, he says, as the Father, just as the Father has sent me, in the same ministry, in the same power, with the same spirit, the same closeness with the Father, the same submission to him, the same union and empowerment by the Spirit, in that same way I'm sending you. And then he does something that he hadn't done since Genesis 2. And he breathed on them. Now in Genesis 2, it was none other than the Son of God himself. And the Father and the Spirit, they make Adam. They make him out of the dirt, right? Out of the mud, out of the earth. They make him and then, and then God breathed the spirit of life into Adam. And it was as if Jesus is saying, I've conquered what the enemy tried to steal. I've conquered that life is going to have its way in my people. And he breathes in his people again. Right here, he, he breathes and he says, receive the spirit of life. Receive the Holy Spirit. And the spirit, Holy Spirit as a person comes upon the disciples. Now, this isn't when the Holy Spirit came in power. 
This is when they're introduced to him as a person. Jesus had talked about him before, and they had experienced the Holy Spirit through Jesus' ministry and what he empowered them to do, but they didn't know him as a person yet. And so Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Spirit, and all of a sudden, they start getting acquainted with this Spirit of peace, this person that comes into our hearts. And listen, you may already have been saved. The Lord Jesus may have already breathed on you, but this morning, I just want to take a moment and let the Lord breathe on us. So if you would, close your eyes with me. Holy Lord Jesus, I ask that you, only you can do it. I ask that you would breathe on your people. feel like he's, he's stepping in with you and he's breathing on you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Holy God, thank you for your spirit of peace. Thank you for what you're doing. So that wasn't the end. We can open our eyes now, if you would. That wasn't the end, right? Jesus breathes on his disciples. And then that was the beginning of this process that lasted about 40 days. And then there were 10 more days. So there were 50 days in all where they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them in power. But they're introduced to the Holy Spirit. I believe this is when they stepped into trusting in salvation, trusting the Lord in salvation, the Holy Spirit is with them. And yet he has not fallen upon them. He's not baptized. The Lord hasn't baptized them in his spirit. So Acts 1.8, actually at the end of Luke, I don't have this passage written down. The end of the gospel of Luke, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I want you to pray and I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And so uh, uh, we carry that on into Acts. And in Acts 1.8, the first chapter of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now this is somewhere between you know, 20 to 40 days after Jesus walks into their fear and speaks peace and introduces them to the Holy Spirit. And so they're there and, and Jesus says, I, I want you to wait here and pray until the power of the Holy Spirit falls on you. And when he does, you will be empowered to be my witnesses. You will be empowered to take my message to the world. And so they do. That's exactly what they do. They wait. And 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, they're, they're there at Pentecost, and we come back to Acts 2, 1 through 4. Passage we read at the beginning. It says, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, if you're wondering, didn't you read this already? Yes, I did. We're going to read it again. Uh, if you... He said, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Now, if we read in context, we know they were in this room, in this house, and it may have been the same place that Jesus walked into, into their fear, spoke peace and introduced them to the Spirit. It may be the same place. I, I like to think of it that way. I don't know if that's really what happened. But it says, and all of a sudden, they're all together. All of a sudden, there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, like a tornado right? Mighty rushing. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So I, I've studied, done the best I can to study this passage and I'm seeking to bring truth here. But as I've studied it, what, I've, what, what I, I see in this passage in the original language, it's a little clearer that it's this tie to Exodus 2 or to Exodus, the book of Exodus where God leads the Israelite people out of Israel, and he does this by a pillar of fire. And this is the Holy Spirit. And he introduces his Holy Spirit to post-resurrection the church. Right here in Acts 2, he introduces them to the Holy Spirit through a pillar of fire. This pillar of fire, like a rushing wind, a tornado comes through, and it comes through as one, and then it begins to, to uh, break up, and the fire comes and, and rests on different disciples. And the disciples, uh, uh, God is, is showing his people that, that he's not just leading a nation anymore. He's not just leading a group. He's coming to each individual heart and life. And he's empowering and he's filling every heart. And so they're baptized in the spirit and fire. And from this, not only are we able to follow the pillar, but we're able to, as one, come together with him. And as one, come together with each other, for it's the same spirit that dwells in you, that dwells in me, that dwelled in Jesus. And so there's this greater unity that he gives his church now. There's this greater empowerment and there's this greater connection to God as our personal, just it becomes so personal. Lord, give me words. I don't have the words for this. Lord, uh, but it becomes just so connected. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all of them. Not like just the ones that kind of, okay, we're good, you know, I, I, I want some more. No, all of them, all of them. He's so good. 